0: Chapter 5 of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume 1 by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 The Arrest. The man who had gone out for a moment after having requested the ogress to look after his jug and plate soon returned, accompanied by a tall, brawny man to whom he said, It was a chance to meet in this way, old fellow. Come in and let us have a glass together. The chourineur said in a low voice to Rodolphe and the goualeuse, pointing to the newcomer, We shall have a row. He's a trap. Look out for squalls. The two ruffians, one of whom, with the Greek skull cap pulled over his brows, had inquired several times for the schoolmaster and the gros boiteux, exchanged rapid glances of the eye, and rising suddenly from the table, went towards the door. But the two police officers, uttering a peculiar note, seized them. A fierce struggle ensued. The door of the tavern opened, and all of the policemen dashed into the room whilst outside were seen the muskets of the gendarmes, taking advantage of the tumult. The charcoal- seller of whom we have spoken, advanced to the threshold of the tapifran, and meeting the eye of Rodolph, he put to his lips the forefinger of his right hand. Rodolph, with a gesture as rapid as it was imperious, desired him to go, and then turned his attention to the scene before him. The man with the Greek skull-cap shrieked with rage and half extended on a table struggled so desperately that three men could scarcely hold him his companion enfeebled dejected with livid aspect and pale lips his lower jaw fallen and shaking convulsively made no resistance but held out his hands to be enclasped by the handcuffs the ogress seated at her bar and used to such scenes remained motionless with her hands in the pockets of her apron What have these fellows done, my dear Monsieur Narcisse Borel? inquired she of one of the policemen whom she knew. Killed an old woman yesterday in the rue Saint-Christophe, and robbed her chamber. Before she died, the poor old thing said she had bitten one of her murderers in the hand. We had our eyes on these two scoundrels. And, my comrade, having come to make sure of his men, why, we have made free to take them. How lucky they paid me beforehand for their pint, said the ogress. Won't you take a dram or nothing short, Monsieur Narcisse? Just a go of ratify of the column. Thanks, Mother Police, but I must make sure of my game. One fellow shows fight still. The assassin in the Greek cap was furious with rage, and when they tried to get him into a hackney-coach which was waiting in the street, he resisted so stoutly that they were obliged to carry him. His accomplice, seized with a nervous tremor, could hardly support himself, and his blue lips trembled as though he were speaking. They threw him, helpless and unresisting, into the vehicle. Before he left the tapis franc, the head officer looked attentively at the other guests assembled and said to the Chourineur in a tone almost kind, "'What, you here, you bad lot? Why, it is a long time since we heard anything of you. "'What, no more rows? Are you growing steady?' "'Steady as a stone figure. Why, you know that now I never break a head.' even if I am begged to do so. Oh, I don't think that would cost you much trouble, strong as you are. Yet here is my master, said the chourineur, laying his hand on Rodolphe's shoulder. Stay, I do not know him, said the agent de police, looking steadfastly at Rodolphe. And I do not think we shall form an acquaintance now, replied he. I hope not for your sake, my fine fellow, said the agent, then turning to the ogress, Good night, Mother Ponnise your tapifran is a regular mouse this is the third assassin i have taken here i hope it won't be the last monsieur narcisse it is quite at your service said the ogresse, making a very insinuating nod with her head after the departure of the police the young vagabond with the haggard visage who was smoking and drinking brandy refilled his pipe and said in a hoarse voice to the chourineur didn't you twig the cove in the greek cap he's Boulot's man." when i saw the traps walk in i says to myself says i there's something up and then too i saw him keep his hand always under the table it's lucky for the schoolmaster and gros that they were not here said the ogress Creek cap asked twice for him and said they had business together but i never turn nose informer on any customer if they take them very well every one to his trade but i never sell my friends oh talk of the old gentleman and you see his horns added the hag as at the moment a man and woman entered the cabaret here they are the schoolmaster and his companion well he was right not to show her for i never see such an ugly creature in my born days she ought to be very much obliged to him for having taken up with such a face At the name of the schoolmaster, a sort of shudder seemed to circulate among the guests of the tapis-front. Rodolphe himself, in spite of his natural intrepidity, could not wholly subdue a slight emotion at the sight of this redoubtable ruffian, whom he contemplated for some seconds with a mixed feeling of curiosity and horror. The chourineur had spoken truth when he said that the schoolmaster was frightfully mutilated. Nothing can be imagined more horrible than the countenance of this man his face was furrowed in all directions with deep livid cicatrices the corrosive action of the vitriol had puffed out his lips the cartilages of his nose were divided and two misshapen holes supplied the loss of nostrils his grey eyes were bright small circular and sparkled savagely his forehead as flat as a tiger's was half hidden beneath a fur cap with long yellow hair looking like the crest of a monster The schoolmaster was not more than five feet four or five. His head, which was disproportionately large, was buried between two shoulders, broad, powerful and fleshy, displaying themselves even under the loose folds of his coarse cotton blouse. He had long, muscular arms, hands short, thick and hairy to the very finger's end, with legs somewhat bowed, whose enormous calves betokened his vast strength. This man presented, in fact, the exaggeration of what there is of short, thick-set, and condensed in the type of the Hercules Farnese. As to the expression of ferocity which suffused this hideous mask, and the restless, wild, and glaring look more like a wild beast than a human being, it is impossible to describe them. The woman who accompanied the schoolmaster was old, and rather neatly dressed in a brown gown with a plaid shawl of red and black check and a white bonnet. Rodolphe saw her profile, and her green eye, hooked nose, skinny lips, peaked chin, and countenance at once wicked and cunning, reminded him involuntarily of La Chouette, that horrible old wretch who had made poor Fleur-de-Marie her victim. He was just on the point of saying this to the girl, when he saw her suddenly turn pale with fright, whilst looking at the hideous companion of the schoolmaster, and seizing the arm of Rodolphe with a trembling hand, the goualeuse said in a low voice, oh the chouette the chouette the one-eyed woman at this moment the schoolmaster after having exchanged a few words in an undertone with barbillon came slowly towards the table where rodolphe the goualeuse and the chourineur were sitting and addressing himself to fleur-de-marie in a hoarse voice said ah my pretty fair miss you must quit these two muffs and come with me the goualeuse made no reply but clung to rodolphe her teeth chattering with fright and i shall not be jealous of my man my little fourline a pet word for assassin added the chouette laughing loudly she had not yet recognized in goualeuse pegueriotte her old victim well my little white face dost hear me said the monster advancing if thou dost not come i'll poke your eye out and make you a match for the chouette and thou with the moustache he said to rodolph if thou dost not stand from between me and the wench i'll crack thy crown defend me oh defend me cried fleur-de-marie to rodolph clasping her hands then reflecting that she was about to expose him to great danger she added in a low voice no no do not move Monsieur rodolph if he comes nearer i will cry out for help and for fear of the disturbance which may call in the police the Ogress will take my part don't be alarmed my child said rodolph looking calmly at the schoolmaster you are beside me don't stir and as this ill-looking scoundrel makes you as well as myself feel uncomfortable i will kick him out thou said the schoolmaster i said rodolph and in spite of the efforts of the goualeuse he rose from the table despite his hardihood the schoolmaster retreated a step so threatening were the looks so commanding the deportment of rodolph There are peculiar glances of the eye which are irresistible, and certain celebrated duelists are said to owe their bloody triumphs to this fascinating glance, which unmans, paralyses, and destroys their adversaries. The schoolmaster trembled, retreated a step, and, for once, distrustful of his giant strength, felt under his blouse for his long cut-and-thrust knife. A murder would have stained the tapifran, no doubt, if the Chouette, taking the schoolmaster by the arm, had not screamed out, "'A minute, a minute, Fourline. Let me say a word. You shall walk into these two muffs all the same, presently.' The schoolmaster looked at her with astonishment. For some minutes she had been looking at Fleur-de-Marie with fixed and increasing attention, as if trying to refresh her memory. At length, no doubt remained, and she recognized the goualeuse. "'Is it possible?' she cried, clasping her hands in astonishment. "'It is Pigriotte. Who stole my barley sugar but where do you come from is it the devil who sends you back and she shook her clenched hand at the young girl you won't come into my clutch again eh but be easy if i do not pull out your teeth i will have out of your eyes every tear in your body come no airs and graces you don't know what i mean Why, I have found out the people who had the care of you before you were handed over to me the schoolmaster saw at the pré, the galleys the man who brought you to my crib when you were a brat and he has proofs that the people who had you first were gentry coves rich people my parents do you know them cried fleur-de-marie never mind whether i know them or not you shall know nothing about it the secret is mine and my full inns and i will tear out his tongue rather than he shall blab it what it makes you snivel does it piggeriotte oh no said goualeuse with a bitterness of accent now i do not care ever to know my parents whilst la chouette was speaking the schoolmaster had resumed his assurance for looking at rodolph he could not believe that a young man of slight and graceful make could for a moment cope with him and confident in his brutal force he approached the defender of Goualeuse and said to the Chouette, in an imperious voice, Hold your jaw. I will tackle with this swell, and then the fair lady may think me more to her fancy than he is. With one bound, Rodolph leaped on the table. Take care of my plates, shouted the ogress. The schoolmaster stood on his guard, his two hands in front, his chest advanced, firmly planted on his legs and arched as it were on his brawny legs which were like balusters of stone at the moment when rodolph was springing at him the door of the tapis opened with violence and the charcoal man of whom we have spoken before and who was upwards of six feet high dashed into the apartment pushed the schoolmaster on one side rudely and coming up to rodolph said in german in his ear monseigneur the countess and her brother they are at the end of the street at these words rodolph made an impatient and angry gesture threw a louis d'or on the bar of the ogress and made for the door in haste the schoolmaster attempted to arrest rodolph's progress but he turning to him gave him two or three rapid blows with his fists over the nose and eyes and with such potent effect that the beast staggered with very giddiness and fell heavily against a table which alone prevented his prostration on the floor vive la charte those are my blows i know them cried the chourineur two or three more lessons like that and i shall know all about it restored to himself after a few moments the schoolmaster darted off in pursuit of rodolph but he had disappeared with the charcoal man in the dark labyrinth of the streets of the cité, and the brigand found it useless to follow at the moment when the schoolmaster had returned foaming with rage two persons approaching down the opposite side to that by which rodolph had disappeared entered into the tapis hastily and out of breath as if they had been running far and fast their first impulse was to look around the room how unfortunate said one of them he has gone another opportunity lost the 2 newcomers spoke in english the goualeuse horror-struck at meeting with the chouette and dreading the threats of the schoolmaster took advantage of the tumult and confusion caused by the arrival of the two fresh guests in the tapis and, quietly gliding out by the half-open door, left the cabaret. End of chapter 5